for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Well, happy South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Dakota Marker Week, Mr. Matt Zimmer. How you feeling? Awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> I can feel the sincerity and the excitement in your voice in this truly genuine uh smooth sailing FCS spring season that we have had that we'll get to and we'll discuss if the Jackrabbits if they win this game if they go on to win the national title is that an asterisk national title is that the sign of things to come in the turning of the tides in this uh, mostly one way rivalry with the Bison will it, will, will, they, will it be a dethroning we'll get to that we'll get to the Minnesota Twins who stopped the bleeding uh, the day that we are recording right now uh, by beating the Red Sox and preventing a sweep mercilessly and uh timberwolves interesting (laughs) a rod is going to be an owner of the timberwolves and uh, matt wants them to go away or at least he tweeted that so we got those things plus uh sioux falls canaries ownership has impressed matt enough to write about it and uh, i happen to work for the team and uh i want to get zim's takes on uh, what, what this means to him getting a new scoreboard new ownership maybe some reasons for you to come out to the bird cage because we think it's a it's a whole new ball game out there we're not at we're not at gateway lounge yet i mean vaccinations are on the rise uh you got your vaccine congratulations yeah i'm halfway there First okay one, got the other one in uh, three weeks is this gonna is this gonna somewhat change things for you or are you gonna go out more yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of what I've been waiting for. I'm not going to necessarily act like everything is back to normal and stop being careful or whatever. Um, you know, I think one good thing about the pandemic is you know, I've never been like a germaphobe or one of those people that gets nervous about close contact with other people. But I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily if after this we're a little bit more, you know, respectful of people's personal space and, uh, you know, better about hygiene and stuff like that you know that we're not breathing on each other and sneezing on each other and you know sitting on top of each other in public places all the time so um actually last night jen and i went out to dinner with my parents um which is the first time we've really done that in about a year you know actually sort of gone out and acted like normal and it was nice and uh we were still careful we wore masks and you know uh made sure we were sitting distanced from anyone but uh, it, it kind of gave you a little bit of a taste. Um, I don't want to, like I said, start acting like everything's over necessarily. But when I get that second shot and as everyone else, you know, moves us closer to herd immunity or whatever, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to having some semblance of uh, our old lives. Yeah, maybe get some live music. The Canaries are going to be full capacity with a special social distance section this summer as a place to for the community to congregate and enjoy themselves and to get life back to normal. We're certainly looking forward to that. By the way, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my vaccine soon. Did you walk right in or did you schedule an appointment? Uh, I scheduled an appointment, but it's extremely easy. Yeah. Uh, my, my appointment was for 945, yeah. and they told me to be there by 930, mm-hmm. and I actually got my shot at 928. 
I mean, I, I got there a few minutes early and it, literally two minutes from when I walked in the door, the needle was in my arm. So it was extremely uh, efficient process. Um, yeah, I just basically am counting down the days so I can get the second one. Local drugstore or uh I did it through Stanford. Okay, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I don't. There's no reason not to do it, although I'm sure you and I both know plenty of people who think there is reason not to do it, but we're going to do it, damn it. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, so it, my parents both got it. They're 75 and 81 years old, and they feel better about uh, going out of the house and doing things again. And uh, the, the one, one interesting spot I found it, with this whole topic is places like the Gateway Lounge, frankly, just restaurants. Uh, because you said you were ma- you were masked up, and I, you know, places like that, I want to wear a mask when I walk in. But I'm sure very, not very many people were wearing masks when you were in there, and that's probably because they start eating and drinking right away. So, did you guys sit down and not take your masks off until you were uh, eating and drinking? And even were you like putting the masks back on between no. bites or drinks? Okay. No, no, I wore it in. I had like the, I had a bandana on basically, so I just kind of pulled it down like a bank robber type of thing. <laughs> yes. And uh, then just pushed, pulled it back up when it was time to leave. Okay. Um, one other thing, I, I, uh, I think of you because of what I'm trying to do right now. I my, Baseball season starts in a month. I'm going to be in front of 56 Canaries crowds this year with a microphone. And so I'm starting to, and I just got back from a trip to Arizona where I golfed and drank a lot. I mean, drank quite a bit, you know, like all day, not getting smashed or hammered but you know it starts fairly early in the afternoon and you know you get back from vacation as anybody does and you eat some good food and you go out to eat a lot and uh you know you you, you feel fat you feel kind of like okay I, I need, i'm gonna tone down the drinking for a little bit <laughs> and uh i lasted so i just i, I like you know i kind of made it a pact i don't know i'm not going to try to commit to one week or two weeks or a month but can, how long can i go with without drinking alcohol you know, because I know you tried this a, a few years ago, and uh, I made it one day. I made it yesterday, not a drop, but right now I just felt like old habit. I gotta have a, a, a what is this? I forget a, some sort of IPA. I gotta have a beer in my hand while doing this, since we're not at the Gateway Lounge. Um, I and uh, this is probably why I need to lose some weight because I can't even, you know, I can't stop that habit. Um, why uh r- remind me again why you uh for, for you, you tried this like three years ago you're able to you're able to not drink for like two weeks i didn't know i told you about that <laughs> um, i remember yeah, like do you mind uh, talking about it i mean i did it again just recently honestly. oh good congratulations well i mean it was it's nothing that deserves congratulations <laughs> i mean well, I for, like, for the two oh, of us it kind of does it's all relative no i mean it's just it's one of those things where you know, I'd like to be that guy who, you know, only has a couple beers on Friday night or whatever, and then is normal the rest of the week. But mostly because of my schedule, it just doesn't work that way. And I'm a terrible sleeper. I'm an insomniac, and so a lot of times I'll just have a couple drinks at night just to help myself fall asleep. Sure. And, um, but over the last couple weeks, basically when the weather started getting a little better, I couldn't sleep at all. Like I had every night, I would be up till three, four, five in the morning, even if I'd go to bed at like midnight. I mean, I just lay there and could not fall asleep. And, you know, it was keeping Jen awake and just making it awful. And um, so I thought, you know, I, I, I need to, like, try to detox myself or something, not necessarily from alcohol, but just sort of everything. So I took, like, two days in a row 
where I didn't drink any caffeine, any alcohol, just tried to kind of flush everything in hopes that it would help my sleep. And it took about two, like for two days, I didn't sleep at all, basically. Um, but then after, after a couple days of just drying myself out or, you know, getting my sleep habits reset, sort of, then I had a really good week of sleep and started feeling better. And uh, that probably would have been a good time to like make some real positive changes in my life. But of course, what did I do? Hey, all right, that was a great week. Time to start drinking again. So that's pretty much, <laughs> pretty much what I did. Yeah. Uh, and why? Just what? Honestly, why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I, no, I'm asking you why. Why did you start drinking again? Because I like beer. Yes, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, beer. And you, you, you're a whiskey guy, right? No, I'm the rum guy. Oh, the, you're the rum guy. Okay, well, it's that to me, I know there's a, you know, to me, those two are not that big of a difference. It's a it's a brown liquor. Anyway, uh, yeah, but a couple years ago you did it because, was it mainly because you were going to be up in front of people at that Argus Leader Sports Awards thing? Uh, that wasn't really, I'll be blatantly honest with you. Me and uh, my ex-former girlfriend, Steph, went on a trip to New York because she had won a, an award for work. Okay. And the night before we came back, we both got so drunk that we were sick the next day. And I was kind of like, you know what? I'm a little old to be doing this. Yeah. I'm going to take a little break. So I, I didn't drink for, I think, like two and a half weeks, which is kind of a long time. And you noticed some changes, that. right? Oh, I did. I mean, I lost some weight. My, uh, you know, felt like I had more color in my face. Felt like my hair was thicker. I slept better. <laughs> Again, would have been a great time to... <laughs> make some permanent changes and, and, uh, improve my mental, physical and emotional health. But, you know, like I said, just too good for me to do that. <laughs> I know it's just, uh, and uh, you know, we sound like a couple of lushes, but I think you and I are both generally the same as, uh, I don't drink every day, but you know, more days I, I, I have at least one drink more days than I don't have a drink at all. It's usually for relaxation. It's usually after I come home from work weekends, you know, whatever pound porch pounding, uh, here and there and when I go out and golf or go out to eat and you know stuff like that and um, yeah it's just too much fun and but I sometimes think it, it wouldn't be that hard because uh, I think you and I are both in the kind of the same spot where it, we probably drink enough where it takes a lot for us to get drunk so why even start at all right but I, I just you know I, I just kind of feel like tick. I'm too old to be hung over yeah how I look at it you know yeah. like if you're hung over the next day at our age like what are you doing that's kind of how I look at it. All right. Well, I hear Coyote Eric screaming. It's been 10 minutes. Start talking about sports. So, uh, yeah, I just, I'm, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try because I've, I've used that story of yours the a couple years ago as somewhat of an inspiration. Like maybe I just, I just want to lose a little weight and, uh, not feel like such a, you know, 42 year old middle-aged man with a gut and, uh, and uh, I have a very, it's a vain reason. It's total vanity of um, hopefully big crowds at the birdcage this summer. And I don't, I don't want to be fat. So, uh, but it is not easy. So with that in mind. Uh, Good luck, John, from me to you. Good luck. Yeah, you don't have very much faith in me? I don't know. I don't know how, I'm not at home with you guys. I don't know how, how <laughs> just how much Gilbert drives you to drink. I mean, I <laughs> have some suspicion, but I guess I'm yeah. just saying just saying good luck no comment uh i think it's the other way and then you know i drive him to drink and then well i watch him drink and i gotta join in on the fun uh so this uh how much does this dakota marker game truly feel like it means 
I know it's for this is for the Valley title, right? I, I read mm-hmm. the headline. Okay, mm-hmm. great. As it usually is between these two clubs, and it's at the end of the regular season, right? Are, 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 do the playoffs start after this soon? Yeah, I don't think there's time for a bye week because of the truncated schedule. I'm yeah. pretty sure the playoffs start the next week. So, like in a regular football season, be like, wow, final week of the season, two big rivals, two best teams in the league for the last whatever ten years, and uh, they're going after the league title and that marker. It's a trophy game. Woo! Uh, how does it truly feel to you now that we've uh, finally gotten here? Because because it was delayed for a while. I mean, it feels a little bit better, for lack of a better word, just because it it looks like it's going to happen. Um, both teams are in pretty. I, I don't know exactly where where NDSU stands as far as having their full roster. I mean, other than guys who got hurt, you know, and opted out early or whatever. But the Jacks, I'm pretty sure, are going to have everybody ready to go. And, you know, this is what this whole thing is supposed to be about. You know, these are probably the two best teams in the country. They've both been playing pretty well of late. Uh, Both of them have a really good chance of going deep into the playoffs if the playoffs happen the way we expect them to. So all that, you know, that's all you could sort of ask for. I think what's missing is just the fact that um, the fans, the media, however you want to put it, just collectively, this thing hasn't been as exciting as we all kind of hoped it would be. you know, obviously the the amount of people that are allowed in the stadium has been limited, but it's not just that, you know, like the Jacks have only had two home games, you know, because a couple got canceled, but even then they could have allowed up to like 5,000 people in there. They only got like 2,000, you know, and a lot of other stadiums have been like that. They're just, people just don't seem to be really latching onto this or really getting excited about it. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny, there was a thinking sort of a narrative that, hey, you know, maybe this will be great for the FCS, you know, because it's the only it's going to be the only football going on. It's taking place in the spring. It has a chance to sort of be the only game in town, maybe get some national attention, you know, maybe draw in some new fans. You know, maybe the games could be televised on ESPN or they'll show the highlights on the highlight shows, everything. Like, this is kind of a big moment. That hasn't happened at all. I mean, they're, you know, the national media is paying no attention to this. There's nobody going like, hey, normally we wouldn't cover this, but it's the only football going on. Like, that's just not happening. And that surprises me a little bit, but it, it, it is what it is. It's not happening. And and I just think it's – we're kind of discovering here that, you know, it's a little bit what we've seen with the XFL and the AFA or whatever, all these, you know, different leagues we've seen that have – you know, every time a league comes along and does this, like the Vince McMahon things we've seen, what is their, their uh, pitch on the day of the press conference? It's always – you know, America can't get enough football, so we're going to try and fill the void when it's the NFL offseason. Well, what we find out is that actually, yes, America can get enough football. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think, you know, from, say, August to through January, you know, NFL, the end of the NFL season, yeah, all of America is in football mode. But I just don't think spring football, no matter how good it is, or, and certainly all the all the cancellations – you know, postponements, the opt-outs, all that, that definitely played a factor. If none of that had happened, maybe it'd be a little different, but it still wouldn't be, you know, the the sort of lightning in a bottle thing that maybe some people hoped it would. Even if all the games were played, I still think there's a limit to how excited people are. And that sucks because for the players and coaches themselves, you know, this isn't really any different. They're not any trying any less hard to win these games. You know, they're not, it's not like they're not lifting weights or not, studying their playbooks or, or half they're, they're not half-assing it you know this is this is their 2020 season it just happens to be taking place in the spring of 2021 
And for them, you know, they're happy they get to play games and that it looks like they're going to get a chance to play for a championship. But, you know, they can clearly see that their fans aren't as into it, that everyone's not as into it. It's just not the same. This is like a, like you said, like if you want to use asterisk or whatever, um, this season, however it ends, is going to go down as like, well, that was kind of, that kind of sucked. I mean, at least we had it, but, you know, let's all look forward to when it can get back to normal because, People have not gotten behind it. And in fact, if they have so not gotten behind it that I worry a little bit what the impact is going to be going forward. You know, there was this hope that this would be a, an opportunity for the FCS to build, you know, bring in new fans and improve the product going forward. I worry that it'll have the opposite effect, that because we've had this weird spring season, that when we come back in the fall, maybe people won't be as excited as they were. I hope that's not the case, and I don't think it will be, but just seeing how people have just not at all bought into this in the spring, it makes you wonder a little bit. Uh, I, I, maybe, maybe it's a psychological consciousness uh, collectively uh, when we get to September of we're back to normal. Like there'll be a, lot, a, a large percentage of people will be vaccinated. A lot of restrictions will be lifted, especially at sporting events. We're already trending that way. The stampede have been at full blast well before hardly anybody had vaccinations. And, you know, we could discuss, I, mean, I don't want to discuss if they should be or not, but um, that's the direction the Canaries and the storm are headed in locally. And again, by September, we'd like to think it's going to be even better than it is now. And uh, you're going to go out to eat with your family and maybe we're going to be at the Gateway Lounge and, and things will start to feel normal. And therefore, football, it feels right. It's in the fall. Let's go. I, I, I'd like to think and I'm going to predict that that is going to be the case. I can understand your your drudgery. Um, considering what this spring season has been. The the other part I want to react to is uh it's the yes, we can get enough football. Every time every time a football league has been tried in the spring, it bombs. Going back to the eighties in the USFL, that actually lasted four years and wasn't bad and had a lot of good players in it, but you know, it eventually folded. Mainly because of uh, a guy with the initials. Yeah, oh yeah, that guy. Uh yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh and uh but then there was, of course, the that XFL thing 20 years ago, then the reboot a couple years ago, and the other thing, the A. And yes, those were not high quality leagues and had a bunch of players nobody's heard of. Um, but I think part of it was it's the spring. Like, just yes, we love our football, but we just, eh, no thanks. And uh, I think that's what FCS is, because I, I did see some people tweeting about how it's just a shame some of these games weren't on ESPN. And I don't know what was on ESPN, but I don't think FCS was going to do very well competing against uh, three Saturdays in a row of March Madness or right. Masters Sunday. So let's or the let's, NBA or yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and on that note, you we say the word asterisk season. I'll take it up a notch, and we'll go back to Mike McFeely because he's a veteran. <laughs> sports writer slash now columnist in uh, Fargo and the Fargo forum. And he covers NDSU football and that's the epicenter of the FCS. And he's, uh, I appreciate how strongly opinionated he is. Uh, and a lot of times he's swimming upstream when it's anything political, but he, you know, he calls it a joke. He calls it a joke of a season. It goes back to UND's final game being canceled after a really good year. Um, and obviously us having to wait a couple extra weeks for this Dakota marker game. Would you go so far as to say it's been a joke of a season? I mean, I can't really object to Mike saying that, you know, when you have three weeks in a row without a game. I mean, it's essentially for, for SDSU, it's almost like two different seasons, you know, yeah. two little mini seasons. I have no idea what to expect on Saturday. 
you know, the Jacks looked really good in the first half of their season. They looked like they might even be better than NDSU because the Bison, as we've talked about, even when they were winning some games, you know, didn't look quite as like, you know, the, the polished, well-oiled machine that we're used to seeing. So I might have thought, yeah, the Jacks are going to win this game. They still very well might. Uh, they're a really talented team. But they haven't played in a month. Who, who could have any idea what how that's going to affect them? You know, they could come out and play absolutely unbelievable because they've been chomping at the bit and they're completely healthy and just motivated and everything. But they could also come out and completely shit the bed just because they're rusty and haven't been, you know, they're football more than any other sport. You know, there's a difference between game speed and practice speed. And the Bison just did finally get to play last week. You know, what if they come out and just absolutely push them around? That could happen too. So I have no idea. And when the thing gets over, I keep making this analogy over and over again, and I'll do it again. It's kind of like the baseball season that we had in 2020. Was it kind of a joke? Yeah. Like half, half of major league baseball made the playoffs. That never happens. You know, you had losing teams in the baseball playoffs. The world series was played in a neutral site. I mean, it was 60 games, which in baseball is just not enough games really to, to declare it a real season. But the LA Dodgers won the world series. They're the world champs. It counts. And the Dodgers, you can never take that away from them. And that's why we're still doing this. You can call it a joke, and I wouldn't necessarily argue with you. It's been a real weird season. And the last half of it, we thought it would get better. It's actually gotten worse. And we're really limping to the fit. There were more cancellations today. Um, so it's still up in the air that we're even going to be able to finish this thing. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how you could argue with someone who said this is a joke because that's not what – a college football season is supposed to be like, but it is what it is. And the teams that want that think it's worth it to keep doing this in pursuit of a championship are going to keep doing it. And if we have a playoff, a playoff series, playoff season, whoever's standing at the end, they're still going to be national champs and it's still going to count. And that school is going to be like, fine, call it a joke all you want. We're the national champions. Well, and let's just say that South Dakota state, uh, you know, uh, North Dakota state fans and media, are going to almost bellyache laugh at whatever celebration will come with that, which will there there will be a big one because they haven't won a national title. Uh, and this is the climbing to the top of Mount Everest in FCS since making the transition, whatever, 15 years ago or whatever. And uh, all these years of coming agonizingly close and uh, all that, being a top five program but always losing in the, in the Elite Eight or the Final Four of the playoffs. And uh, they do it. And not that we Jack fans really care, but I'd love you to react to you can ju- you can just feel the wheels turning already that that those up north are going to not consider this a legitimate season, not consider that a legitimate yeah. title, and they're almost going to be thumbing their noses at the cheap title that SDSU won, and maybe with uh, a full head of false steam that that uh, the Bisoner in the midst of being dethroned as the kings of FCS? Uh, I mean, there's obviously going to be a little bit of that. But given that NDSU is part of it, I think that only goes so far. Um, because it, it could be they could be eight teams in the entire nation playing FCS football this spring. And as long as NDSU is one of them, uh, if someone else wins the national champion, it's like, hey, <laughs> there's you beat the one team that, you know. So I think, like, if NDSU opted out, if they're like, yeah, we're not playing spring football, and then everyone else went ahead with the season, and whoever won that national championship, yeah, there would definitely be Bison fans going like, yeah, big deal. You know, that's a fake trophy. It doesn't count. We weren't there. But they're participating in this season. They've got seven games in. They're going to these playoffs. 
Will it be a little bit lesser than a quote-unquote normal championship? Of course it will. Will there be an asterisk attached to it or however you want to say it? Sure. Um, but I don't think NDSU fans will act like it's a complete phony thing um, if their team gets beat on the way there because the Bison are the measuring stick. That's who you measure yourself against. Yeah, well, and if they win it, they certainly, all of a sudden, it will be legit because they won it. You know, it's funny how it's... Um, it, actually, I was going to say the opposite. I, I think if anything... If NDSU wins it, they might be the ones to kind of say, like, eh, this one doesn't feel as cool as the other 15 yeah, we've won or whatever. Pos- but, potentially. Um, but have... they, that's the that, that's the benefit of having won so many national yeah. championships. You can kind of have that attitude towards it. If you're someone else, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, but uh, an NDSU friend of mine said, yeah, that there – that it's laughable that the Jacks think, uh, you know, winning a national title this year or even just winning the Valley and winning this game would mean that they're dethroning NDSU. And I don't think anybody around here would cons- think that. That sounds that, like a straw man argument to me. I don't know who's making that claim. Mike, I, 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 uh, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody is. No one uh, is saying that. Yeah. No, I don't think. And I think Jacks fans are realistic enough to th- to think that you, you win a, an odd season where you have a bunch of games canceled and, and you win a national championship that uh, it might not feel as real as the big one, but it certainly does not mean that you think it's it's over, like North Dakota State's run is over. I You know, it's got to... They've got another, you know, they'd have to, they'd have to not win a national title for at least another two or three more years for anybody to think that their run well, is over. Not only that, your friend may or may not know this, but... Uh, NDSU is going to be a lot better in the fall. They have a yeah. lot of really good players yes. that are either not playing this spring or that are coming in in the yeah. fall that weren't eligible this spring. This is the time to get them. And that's probably why a team like South Dakota State is so gung-ho about going forward with this spring season. The Bison are a little more vulnerable right now than they're probably – they're going to be a better team in the fall. Yeah. So, let's okay, let's focus on this game and that team because um, I know you've been doing that a couple times this week and what you've been writing. Uh, who, who do you think sh- – should and we, I know you don't know what to expect because the Jacks haven't played literally in almost a month, March twentieth. But mm-hmm. um, for the best you can do, especially looking at "quote unquote" on paper, um, how do you see it shaking out in the Fargo well, Dome? I'm not going to make a prediction, really, kind of for the reason that I said. I, I just think it's impossible to know yeah. how SDSU is going to going to respond. I will say that uh, when the game was originally scheduled to be played, um, I think I was prepared to predict the Jacks to win that game. Uh, I, I just think they're a little bit better this spring. Um, they're four and one and the one loss, not to take too much away from North Dakota, the team that beat them, but the Jacks shit themselves in that game early. They had a chance to put them away. I thought they were clearly the better team. Um, they just made a bunch of mistakes and it snowballed and the game got away from them. And I, I you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but they lo- they beat themselves. Uh, but I, you know, I came away from that game going, wow, the better team, I don't think necessarily won that game. Uh, and they've shored things up a little bit since then. They didn't play great against Youngstown State. Uh, but then they just absolutely annihilated Southern Illinois in their last game. And Southern Illinois is the team that beat the crap out of the Bison. Now, granted, those comparisons aren't always an apples-to-apples thing. You know, this team beat this team, so this team, you know. Uh, but I think it's telling, you know. And NDSU clearly has, I think, A, that was a little bit of a wake-up call for them. Like, hey, you know, you're not going to be able to coast through this as easily as you usually do. Uh, but also, they've, they've just improved since then. They seem to be playing a lot better. They routed North Dakota in a game. That didn't surprise me. A lot of other people seem to be surprised by it. They kind of seem to have their shit together again. Mm-hmm. Um, Zeb Nolan, the quarterback who has replaced Trey Lance, has not played well at all. Um, they ha- they still have that really good running game. Uh, but, the- but you know, even their running back corpse, 
a little bit depleted. It doesn't seem quite as dangerous as it's been. The defense has been good. It hasn't been dominant. Um, they've just kind of been rolling along and winning games. And, you know, I'm not saying they haven't been impressive in how they've done it. They just haven't been quite as dominant. So I think if, you know, if both teams play up to their capabilities, I'm not so sure the Jacks aren't better mm. and that they win that game. But as we've seen, the Bison over the course of the year, like obviously you have to have a ton of talent and great coaching and all those things to do what NDSU has done. I mean, winning eight national championships in nine years, that's incredible. But it isn't, you don't do something like that just by having really good players and coaches. You do it also by, you know, I hate to sound like a cliched coach or whatever here, but like doing the little things. And what I mean by that is, you know, not having those brain farts, not having those, uh, whether you want to call it an off day or something where, you know, the Bison, it, like there've been so many years where the Jackson Bison have seemed very even, yeah. but at the end of the year, the Bison are the ones that are 11 and 0 or 10 and one. And the Jacks are eight and three because there's one or two games where they just came out and shit the bed, you know, yeah. where they weren't ready to play or they made a bunch of mistakes and, then that sends them on the road for the playoffs and they might be just as good of a team as NDSU, but they, their road to the championship is so much harder because they lost a couple games. They shouldn't have. That's the difference in those two programs is NDSU has that consistency. They get it done. They don't overlook teams. They don't have a week where they're not ready to play, whatever. Um, And that's the, if, if SDSU does that, which they've already done it a couple times this year, you know, it happened in North Dakota cost them the game. Uh, kind of happened against Youngstown State. They managed to survive, get the win. Cool. Um, if they do anything remotely like that this Saturday, they're going to get beat. Um, but if they can come out and, and play a, a clean game, you know, not have some catastrophic turnover or, you know, special teams has been a nightmare for them this year. If, if I was the Bison, that's where I'd be looking to hmm. make a big impact in the game is, you know, block a punt, return a kickoff, block a field goal, something. But if the Jacks can avoid all that kind of stuff, I'm not so sure they aren't a little bit better this year, and that would give them a good chance to win this game. Yeah, they've done this before, obviously, 2016 in Fargo, 2017 in Brookings. Uh, to your point about the, the the Bison and their consistency, it just feels like they're they're you know they have a little more talent across the board. I'm not sure. saying a whole lot, but their talent, their system. They run, they control the ball, they play defense, they don't turn it over. I mean, and they have great talent. So they have all those things that are foolproof, usually. So they just aren't going to lose because it just works every time, including against the Jacks, usually. And whereas the Jacks seem to be just a little bit more mistake prone. And as, as you know, that, that goes along with shitting the bed, as you say. And, uh, you know, their offense has sometimes been bang or bust. And they've had great running backs there and good running games. But, you know, for a while there, it was um, it was Wenneke and Goddard in an air show, and that's great. That wins you a bunch of games and can make big plays when you're trying to come from behind and beat a team like NDSU. But, yeah, they, the Bison just seem a little bit more foolproof, and even on a year where they don't seem as good as they usually are, that's what will make them scary, uh, especially at home. Do you know uh, what uh, the attendance will be capped at? 8,000 is what I've been told. Well, 8,000 in that place. I mean, you've been there more than I have. I'm guessing can can get pretty can get to be a pretty loud roar. Like the could yeah, be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I went to practice this week. They were doing the piped in crowd noise at the S Jack to get them ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know uh, when Stig had his uh, Zoom press conference on Tuesday, uh, Jeff Kolpak from the Fargo Forum was there, and we were ta- talking about that. Stig actually asked Jeff. He goes, "What's it like? What's the <laughs> atmosphere, the crowd like when there's eight thousand people there?" And Jeff goes, it's been a church compared to most seasons. Okay. 
So I think he was joking a little bit, but still, I mean, he seemed to be pretty definitive that, yeah, the crowd isn't going to make the impact that it normally does. And, yeah. you know, I suppose that works to the Jacks' favor, but, you know, the, I'm not so sure that in sometimes, you know, when the Jacks beat him a few years ago with Taron Christian up in Fargo, you know, sometimes you almost, you know, benefit from an environment like that because you're just you rise to the occasion sure. you're excited about getting a chance to do that so i'm i'm not sure how much of an impact that has one way or the other okay by the way i think stiegelmeyer just from the the bits and bites that i see not being knee deep and in, in following this team this spring as you are seems to have been but every time i hear something that he says uh it seems like he's not that i'm surprised at this at all but he's 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 handled this about as well as a head coach can handle this type of a this type of a navigation of a just a bizarre. Well, I'll say th- I'll say this for Stig and for SDSU, they have not gotten enough credit for the fact that twelve weeks zero positive tests. Yep. Stig keeps saying that in his press conference every week, and people kind of go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." No, that's really impressive uh, because you see how many programs are having to opt out or reschedule or cancel their games. Um, because of a couple of positive tests or whatever. But there's also teams that haven't had to cancel, haven't had to postpone, but they still had a positive test here and there. You know, they were just able to isolate or, you know, however they handled it. For the Jack, just none for the entire season. Um, and, you know, three of their games have been canceled through no fault of their own. You know, that's got to be frustrating for them. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not sure people quite realize what an accomplishment that is for that program because of all the things you have to do, you know, to, to, to make that happen. You know, you have to give up a lot of things in your life. You have to make a lot of personal sacrifices, the things you can, the places you can go, the things you can do. And they've all bought into doing that just for the sake of having this quote unquote joke of a football season yeah. uh, and Stig and his staff and everyone all the way up to Justin Sell, I think really deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And, and that's leadership. That is, that is top down stuff. If, if we learn nothing, this goes back to the high school football season when there were some towns that had to cancel some games, uh, and yet somehow in Sioux Falls, a more populated place with far more COVID cases, far yeah, far more COVID cases than generally the rest of the state. Gee, it's interesting how all the high school coaches that I dealt with in Sioux Falls seem to take it extremely seriously for their players, uh, but more so their administrations, and I'm going to zero in on the Sioux Falls Public Schools and Howardwood Field. That's the place that was the emptiest because they allowed the fewest amount of people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, just interesting how there were no big COVID outbreaks in, in the more, most populated schools in the, in the COVID densest place, as, you know, especially schools involving kids that live in slightly lower income, poverty stricken places where it's easier for COVID to run rampant. Gee, there just was never any problems in those schools. Um, and, and, uh, and basketball season was a little more open. We, we saw... Uh, fuller gyms but at the again Sioux Falls schools I just found it interesting how a lot more people were adults in the crowd were wearing masks at those games and how they seemed to be in and the students seem more seem to be wearing masks and not just drop them underneath their chin and just sit there without them for the rest of the game uh, compared to some of the other places outside of Sioux Falls we either read about or that I that I would see and gee why is that it's, it's yeah, I covered a game. People the in first, charge. The first high school game I covered back in the summer, really. Yeah. Was a small town. I won't name it, but um, the stands were absolutely packed. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, people sitting right on top of each other. I didn't see a lot of masks. I stayed away from everyone down the sideline. And then guess what? Like a week later, they had to pause because they had an outbreak at the school. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's behavior, it's parents and it's administration. And that uh, it's always been that way. That always matters, but boy, it, it, it really was reflected, um, the, during this uh, sports season. So that to your point, that's uh, Stiegelmeyer has been a good leader, uh, in that capacity as in many. So there's that, uh, by the way, are you going to go? Are you going to, are you going to go to Fargo or are you going to stay back? Yep. I'll be there. All right. Okay. Uh, cool. Can't wait. Um, that should be fun. You gotta, you gotta be excited about that. You've been covering most of these, most of these sporting events from your couch. Mm-hmm. It'll be, uh, another one of those sort of landmarks on the way back to a return to normal, right. you know, it won't be quite the same. Like one of my favorite things about going to the game in Fargo every other year is getting there early and going down on the field, you know, and being on the sidelines and observing the team as they warm up and listening to their chatter as they, psych themselves up for that game well because of COVID, i'm restricted to staying in the press box so won't be quite the same but um i'm still looking forward to it yeah awesome awesome safe travels okay um let's uh do, do you want to go with the a rod and owning the timberwolves or the or the or the twins let's go let's go a rod um do you do you <laughs> Yeah, I think you had a tweet when this was news the other day. A Rod and of course Mark Laurie, who's a who has well over a billion dollars to his name. Uh, most recently, was an executive at Walmart, but had other uh, extremely profitable businesses as an entrepreneur, like Diapers.com, which he sold to Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Uh, he's the, he's the main guy. He's the money bags. But Alex Rodriguez is the uh, is the sexy name and face. And as a gay man, I really mean it. Sexy name and face. <laughs> Uh, that he that this Mark Laurie guy wanted to wrangle in to kind of help uh, land himself a team. He wanted to own a pro sports team, and they went. I don't know how many times they've tried, but they most recently didn't get the Mets, and uh, but now they got the um, and they got the Marlins, right? Does Arod a- owns the Marlins, doesn't he? No, that's Jeter. That's Jeter. Okay, thank you. They got the Timberwolves, and <laughs> there's so many. There's, I mean, th- th- to me, this is this is one of those rare times. The last several months, I really miss having Sports Talk Radio on days like that because it, it, you can't possibly imagine two more different entities, uh, personalities than A-Rod and the Timberwolves. A-Rod and uh, just Minnesota, flyover country. It uh, just doesn't seem to fit, and there's a lot of skepticism he's going to move the move the team eventually. And uh, But I'll start with your tweet. Do you really? Do you really mean it? Do you really think it'd be best for the Timberwolves just to roll on out of there? I kind of do. I mean, uh, when I was a kid, I think I was like fourteen or fifteen. The Wolves had only been a team for like five or six years. Uh, the original owners, Harv and Marv, were supposedly going to sell it to someone who was going to move the team to New Orleans. Yeah, early nineties. And, yep. and I remember being like, "Geez, they just got here and already they're moving. Like, are they even going to allow that?" But also, I remember being like you know, heartbroken. Like I was 14, you know, when you're a 14 year old boy, that's all you have in your life is sports. And uh, so I, I, like, I just was beside myself with worry over the Timberwolves potentially moving to new Orleans. And I get it. There's, you know, 14 year olds today, obviously that would probably be really upset, but you look at what this franchise has done in now 32 years in Minneapolis, um, what eight or nine playoff appearances in 32 years and only one, of those years that they win a playoff series. I mean, they are the Detroit lions of the NBA and that might even be an insult to the Detroit Lions. They have the worst record, literally the worst record of any team in the NBA since they joined the league. And that's with a, they had a 10 year run there where they were good every single year. Yep. 
I mean, when Flip and KG were there, they were pretty good. Yeah. Um, Playoffs every year, usually a top so, four or five seed. Yeah, and I mean, it's tempting to say, well, if it happened once, it could happen again, and, and I suppose it can. Um, but it's just, you know, for the last 20 years now, um, w- when Tom Thibodeau came in and they got Cat and Wiggins in back-to-back years, and then they made the trade, uh, you know, to bring in Jimmy Butler, and it just looked like, wow, this is finally going to happen. You know, they, they have a, a nucleus, a big three, you know, they have the right coach, mm-hmm. uh, and they barely got in as an eight seed, you know, and then got beat in the first round. And uh, it just kind of is like in today's NBA, can, can it ever work in Minneapolis? You know, um, w- there was a time when having one or two guys on your team who could score 20 points a game was all it took to get to the playoffs. Well, now the NBA is has more talent than it ever has, probably. Um, and so you've got all these super teams, for lack of a better phrase. And the Wolves have some some talent, obviously. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is a great player. Uh, the rookie, Anthony Edwards, looks like he's a really good player. Um, they've surrounded him with some decent talent. Uh, and it just, you know, they're not just not in the playoffs once again this year. They're terrible again. And I just, you know, kind of look at it and go, why is anyone still hanging on? with this team. And when I say any, I mean like any fans, like, is there anyone left that is still a diehard Timberwolves fan that would, that would really be heartbroken to see this team leave and, and, and not just, you know, talking about fans feelings or whatever, but just from a strictly, you know, cold blooded analytical standpoint, like does Minneapolis deserve an NBA team? Is Minneapolis a good NBA market? I don't know if it is. I mean, obviously, you know, the hockey town, state of hockey, all that kind of oh, hockey towns, Detroit, but you know, yeah, Minnesota, the, the wild state of they're, hockey. they're not great either, but I mean, Minnesota is a hockey state, obviously. And it goes on at the same time. And you know, the, the weather, the, the, the market itself is always going to make it difficult for them to sign free agents. Um, I just, I just don't think anyone would really miss them if they left. I mean, and when I say anybody, I, I mean, obviously some people would, but I just, I just think if they, you know, if the twins moved away, back when there was a threat of that happening and the whole stadium bullshit. Same with the Vikings. There were some half-hearted threats about the Vikings moving to L.A. or something, you know. San Antonio, if, yeah. if, if either of those had happened, I think the state of Minnesota would have lost its collective mind. And and this is what I always said in arguing for a stadium for those two teams is like, if you don't build them a stadium, you're just going to end up building, a, building one anyway for an expansion yeah. team down the road. Because if the Twins had left or the Vikings had left, it would have taken five or six years, just like it did when the North Stars left. And people would have said, hey, how come we don't have Major League? We should build a stadium, you know, and they just wouldn't have ended up doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. But if the Timberwolves leave, I don't think there's going to be this big demand a few years later to bring the NBA back to the Twin Cities. I think everyone's going to go, yeah, all right, we tried that for 30 years and it was pretty much a total failure. Let's just be happy we have a hockey team and go Gophers. <laughs> well, Boy, there's a lot to chew on there. There, well, first of all, they have a terrible arena. I know they, re, I know they renovated it. And for us, uh, relative bumpkins from Sioux Falls, whenever I, whenever I've gone to a Timberwolves game, gone to that. I mean, yeah, it's a big, and I've been to a couple concerts there. It's, yeah, you know, it's a big NBA-sized arena, but it's, uh, you know, it's got nothing amenities-wise. It's, ha- you know, more than half the seats are upper deck and bad seats. It doesn't make sense. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how long it will take A-Rod and Lori to demand a new arena or else we're going to leave. Right. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people anticipate that happening and because uh, there's not much you can do. There's no more lipstick you can put on that pig. You're going to have to destroy it and build a new one. 
And uh, boy, you're so right. The Cleveland Browns had that happen to them, where they and the Minnesota. You mentioned the Minnesota North Stars happened. That happened to them, and they built a new one. A new team came. I think my answer. To, okay. No, Minneapolis and the Twin Cities not a great basketball town. Partly because there's never the Timberwolves have, you know, they've certainly never reached the highest level of success, and they've barely ever had success. And uh, same time, I look at the, it's it's not so much can this team ever win a championship because you you're right. Do I think maybe a Rod and the new owners appeal because Mark Laurie seems like a shark. He seems like a Mark Cuban type of shark. Get out of my way. Uh, slick and, um, you know, can move some mountains here. I just heard today this guy intends to help build. He wants to he wants to help build. His next endeavor is to build a city of the future. Like all the cultural, um, I, I don't have the words in front of me, but all the kind of all the, the cultural standards uh, and amenities of a New York City with the like efficiency and economic viability of a Tokyo and... I mean, he, he he wants to build a new city uh, with innovate with all the all innovative thinking and tech that he knows of, and uh, th- th- that's just an example. The way the guy thinks that is good because that's anti Glenn Taylor. Glenn Taylor, what's the common denominator of the last twenty years since they were last good or last seventeen since KG and the guys uh, almost went to the NBA Finals? Glenn Taylor, the owner. They've gone through general managers. They've gone through head coaches. They've gone through. A lot of first-round draft picks and stars or potential stars. And they had that one uptick that one year with Tibbs and Jimmy Butler. But it's Glenn Taylor's the common denominator, and he hasn't made all the wrong moves, but he's 80 years old. He's from Mankato. He feels like a small-town businessman, and uh, and he feels like a, he just kind of feels like the sport of baseball and its ownership. There's nothing There's nothing modern or forward-thinking about him. I It... A-Rod and this guy has that kind of feel to them, and if they actually intend to keep it in Minnesota, maybe they have a chance. Having said that, <laughs> Anthony Edwards, uh, who had no choice, he didn't—he was drafted by the Timberwolves. I mean, when he was asked, did you hear what he said when, when he was asked about A-Rod taking over the team? Yeah, how he didn't really know who he you was. You know who he was! It's like, okay, well, there you go. A-Rod's now, that makes all of us feel old, right? Like, A-Rod doesn't have cachet with... Uh, <laughs> that gender people that are like 18 to 24 years old. So why should he in two or five years? Uh, So I don't know if it's going to, it's not going to help you bring a bunch of free agents to town. Yeah. I mean, the Timberwolves are never going to be a two or three star team and probably compete for championships, but it would be worth it. Can they be a viable product? Can they sell tickets and get people in the mood? Can they be a dent? That's Denver and Utah right now. Those two clubs for about the last five or 10 years, Fairly anonymous, unless you're a true NBA junkie, you couldn't name a player on their roster or more than one player on their roster. They're not competing for titles. They're not even going to the finals. But they've got 18,000, 19,000 people at games because apparently, I'm just guessing, these aren't great basketball towns, and these aren't really that much sexier places to live than Minneapolis. You know, not really. Uh, Salt Lake City and Denver, like Minneapolis, two very white towns. Um that are kind of cold in the winter. Uh, what's happening? They probably have good owners with good business sense, cutting edge, thinking, good front offices, good coaches. I mean, and then you cobble together the players you can, and and it works. I think that could happen in Minnesota, and if it did, because I think if it did, people would come back the same way they ran back for that one year with Tibbs and Butler, because you're used to being sad sacks, and you're excited to be something, 
and uh, you know, just enjoy the ride of the 82 game season, like Twins fans enjoy the hopefully enjoy the ride of the 162, knowing they're going to fall flat in the playoffs. I don't know. Did people get that that excited about the team a few years ago? I thought so. I know you keep talking about that, and every time you bring it up, I'm always like, "Really? Were people that into it?" I d- I don't remember that being the case. But mm. I could be wrong. I guess I don't know. I mean, it was certainly more than you know it had been at any time in the. Kurt Rambis, Randy Whitman, Rick Adelman era, but I don't know. I, you know, if, I mean, Toronto won a championship when the Toronto Raptors won an NBA championship. That's when I was kind of like, wow, I guess anyone can do it. Mm. If the, if the pieces fall into place, because Toronto was another one of those teams. I was just like, why are they even there? Yeah. Like, why does, why does Canada have an NBA team? And then they won a championship. It's like, oh, okay. And obviously there were some weird things that had to happen there with Kawhi and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. And, you know, I'll be surprised if Toronto ever wins another one again. But, you know, who knows? I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays are good every year in baseball, despite that place being Siberia. You know, I mean, they they yeah. they play in a warehouse. They have no fans, you know, in the stadium or, you know, in general. I mean, and, and they find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, I, when I heard that A-Rod was buying the team, my my reaction was not positive or negative you know like i was just like all right i mean it can't get any worse yeah exactly you know, like how, how could he you know and i you know my first thought too is is he going to move him away and like i said if he does i don't really care <laughs> um but if they they're saying that part of the agreement is that they won't now that it's not like that can be legally binding forever he might tell him oh yeah i'm not going to move the team they can still find a way to do it later on but I kind of suspect that this is just a, a vanity thing for a rod, oh, you know, yeah. he's just bored and wants to try it. And cause you know, look at it from a rod's perspective. It's kind of a no lose situation for him. You know, if, if it's largely someone else's money and he gets yes. to be the face of it yes. and he's taking over the most pathetic franchise in the sport, if he makes them even remotely competitive, then we're sitting here going like, look at, a Rod yep. turns out he's a pretty good oh. basketball owner, and know? he is he's he's one of the most insecure superstar athletes you you could ever imagine. Like, I think he would love to be able to say, "Look what I did! I yeah. took over the Timberwolves and made them into a winning franchise." Yeah, I mean, he was always insecure. A lot of these guys with huge egos who are famous are insecure, but I mean, when you have the tainted career like he did, and the lying and the uh, you know, the steroids and the lying and all that. And you're trying to rebuild your own image and legacy, and uh, I mean, and you're just on a quest. And so far, he's doing pretty good. He got on TV, uh, and uh, you know, he got on the Fox crew. Then he got on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. I mean, he's doing a nice job. His his uh, 2.0. And so, yeah, you're right. This is the next step in that. And uh, you're also right. By the way, uh, he will charm. I, I don't know when the he, the presser has got to be. I don't know if they've had the, the presser or not. Um, but uh, he. The presser, and then like the first year, he's going to charm the pants off of every, you know off of everybody. And um, I would like to think Minnesotans and Midwesterners are kind of you know crusty and salt of the earth and get, have a good BS meter. But at the same time, it's so rare somebody of A Rod's caliber and status um, comes to Minneapolis. You could argue with this if you want, but I think he does. He is shrewd, and he and he is good in front of a camera. And I think he'll get people on his side, and he should because anything, anything looks and feels vibrant compared to Glenn Taylor, and what's happened for twenty years. So he might as well go for it. The other, the other part is yes. Does he feel like a guy that really has any attachment or devotion to Minneapolis? <laughs> no, um, but 
the, going back to the insecurity, a theory that I have heard, which makes sense, is that after this quote unquote two and a half year transition phase, which I doubt it will last more than a year with, I think Glenn Taylor is going to sell the minority ownership in the team. And, you know, he felt like he probably felt like he had to sell it because he he's, there's no there was no contingency plan for his family or anybody else. And he's 80. Uh, and but he's still while he's still alive, wants to somewhat own the the Timberwolves and. Uh, I guess he's on some subcommittees in the NBA and he wants to stay on those subcommittees for a year or two to make sure that the Timberwolves aren't moved anywhere. And a common thought is Seattle's going to get a new team. It better be called the Supersonics. And well, where did A-Rod spend the first, whatever, decade of his career? Mm -hmm. Seattle. And what is his reputation there? They hate him. <laughs> so uh, that's that'd be, that, that'd be a way for, I mean, would, would he care that much that just, does he care... Is he that insecure that he has to go back and be a god in Seattle again? I don't know, but that's a decent theory. And uh, but from what uh, Doogie Darren Wilson KSDP, who supposedly is well connected, uh, he he in in the Twin Cities, his his take was Seattle is going to be an expansion team. That the NBA is not going to move a team to Seattle, so that Minnesota will be safe at least from moving to Seattle. So. We'll see. Obviously, you wouldn't be too heartbroken if that happened. Um, did you watch the Twins today as we round out the podcast? Same I got so pissed off when they blew the 3 nothing lead that I turned it off. <laughs> well, you deserve it. I heard that they won, yeah. but I was just like, I can't watch this shit anymore. Well, yeah, because they've just been... Uh, Tell me if I'm hitting on all the right notes here, because again, I'm I'm busy working on the Canaries. I was on vacation. I'm, I haven't been watching much, but you know, I keep up. Uh, so... Uh, the Twins right now, they did have a nice win today, and, and we're not going to say that's not important uh, when they were headed, to, when they were just falling apart. The for borderline teams. must win the way things have been going. Yeah, they uh, okay. So they're banged up. They there's a there there seems to be an attrition uh, problem problem, or at least headed. You know, we're we're headed toward that. Buxton, oh, here's a, he's MVP. You know, he's playing like an MVP, but he's got the hamstring. And, of course, the Donaldson injury. And three different guys, including Buxton, have had food poisoning. So, A, they seem to be fragile. B, uh, the bullpen's incredibly fragile. C, uh, Sano's uh, just striking out, not hitting any home runs. And uh, Barrios has just, uh, I, I think they, I'm not going to say they've broken him. But um, he 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 lacks confidence. A mostly from, I think, just being afraid or getting prepared to be pulled after five innings every time he's out there. Does that seem to be the rundown? Um, the bullpen is concerning. Uh, I'm really pissed off at Rocco Baldelli, because um, I, I don't think the team is really that banged up. I think he's just babying these guys to a degree that I've <laughs> never seen before. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen it already. You know, we, we saw last year taking pictures out in the fifth, sixth inning, you know, being careful with Buxton and other guys. But I mean, like this is, I mean, if a guy sneezes in front of him, he's like, Oh, you're off for two days. I mean, this is just ridiculous. He put out a spring training lineup today in a game that, like I said, was it's stupid to say must win in the 13th game of the year, but like, you know, they're really slumping and, and yeah. you could see that it was starting to, you know, fester in that dugout a little bit and he's putting together this lineup like oh we don't need anybody josh donaldson comes off the dl plays a great game yesterday a seven inning game and he needs a day off again already i mean are you kidding me it's just 
you know, and then it's not Rocco's fault that Hansel Robles fell apart today. It's not Rocco's fault that Taylor Rogers couldn't win that at bat with Verdi, whatever the guy's name was. Um, but it's worth pointing out that throughout this four game series, every single button that Rocco pushed was the wrong one. And <laughs> yes. again, it's, it's not his fault when a player fails to execute screws up, but it's just worth noting that literally every single move he made backfired. Yeah. And you're kind of, I'm not like bailing on Rocco and saying it's time to fire him or anything like that, but I mean, Jesus, it's just the, these first couple weeks have been so frustrating. Uh, their first 10 games, they were five and five, I think. And they could easily have been eight and two. They were in all 10 of those games. You know, the bullpen blew a bunch of them. And again, that's not on, on Rocco necessarily. You, you go out and sign these relievers that are supposed to be good. You trust them to do a job. They're not doing the job. You know, opening day is a perfect example. That was Rocco's fault that those guys all floated mm-hmm. in the ninth inning. Um, but the fact that he just will not play the team's best players uh, and, and seems to just have a terrible sense, for lack of a better word, of who to pitch yeah, when. Right. You know, he leaves the guy in too long or he takes him out at the wrong time or he puts the wrong reliever in. I mean, I kind of felt as, as much as he was bugging the shit out of me this week, by the end of today, I kind of felt sorry for him. That this, like, this poor guy, literally everything he touches – you know, explodes into disaster. I mean, it was just, it was almost funny by the end of the day. Like, dude, just stop doing things, you know? Like, go home. Let someone else manage the team. Like, if you're, you're cursed or something. Everything you're doing is wrong. And so I was glad that they found a way to win that game after they blew it. Like I said, I was like, I can't watch this anymore. I turned it off. I saw that they won. I got an alert on my phone. I was like, well, good. They needed that win. Um, I think the biggest thing, I, I think the bullpen will eventually be okay you know, Taylor Rogers was through a pitch today on two and two that I thought was strike three. If the if he gets the call from the umpire, they win three to nothing in nine innings, and you know everyone's saying what a great day it was. Um, you know, Colomay's had some bad breaks. Robles had looked great until today. I think the bullpen's going to be okay. The rotation's been really good. Uh, Barrios was amazing in his first two starts and the first four innings of his last start. But I'm with you. I'm starting to think maybe he's looking over his shoulder a little yes. bit, wondering when Rocco's going to pull him. He looked really frustrated when Rocco took him out yesterday. Like, he did not want to come out of the game. He brings in Tyler Duffy, and Duffy immediately lets all three runners score that are charged to Barrios. Like, that's the kind of thing that pisses a guy off. Right. I, I kind of tend to wonder if Barrios isn't a big fan of his manager right oh, now. Oh, he can uh, possibly not be. Uh, yeah. It affects the way he pitches. It's it's not just the fact that he gets taken out. It affects the way that he pitches right. before he gets taken out. Uh, it just kind of reminds me, like, he's he's not built. He His mind is not wired like Michael Pineda. You know, Michael Benet is like, I'm Big Mike. I'm just going to go out there and throw strikes, or I'm just going to go out there. Uh, Barrios seems to be somewhat of a thinker, you know, pretty sharp kid, and and uh, you know, I'm not going to say an overachiever, but like a, a, a real trier. I, I I have, for lack of a better word, and he um, he can go out there for that first time through the lineup, as we saw in the playoff game, as we saw in uh, in the all first... three starts this year, all yeah, three. Of them. Yes, and uh, and then the. All, and before he even gets to the third time through, which he never gets the opportunity right. to do, when he's going through it the second time, you can he already he starts to nibble, and because he's because uh, he's not in cruise control or it or he's not perfect, he can go out there and be almost perfect like he was in that first game, his first start. And uh, but but if he's not, if he's not perfect, but he's still pretty good and quite capable of holding down the fort and winning a game. 
when he's not, he all of a sudden starts to slip because he knows he's probably going to get yanked anyway. It just it reminds me of like our son, high school basketball. You know, he was a pretty good summer and AAU player for his high school team. For some reason, he was always the first or second guy off the bench when he was probably good enough to start. And now I sound like one of those sports parents. But whenever he came in, uh, you know, sometimes he'd do really well, but a lot of times. He'd be afraid that if he took even a wide open shot and missed, he'd get yanked right back. And so that affected, he'd get yanked right back out, you know, that he was on short time and he'd get the hook. And um, so he was too careful a lot of the time when he could have, you know, he could have driven to the hoop, could have taken the three. And, um, you know, it, 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 affects, it affects your psyche. And I think that's what's going on with Barrios and Rocco. So does that sound fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at some point Rocco needs to trust his ace. I mean, I get, whether I know made as kind of ace too, but yeah. for three starts, Brios is pitched like an ace, and Rocco's still treating him like he's a rookie. He needs to stop doing that. And the same with, you know, play your best players, dude. The Twins have a pretty high payroll for them. You paid for those guys, play them. Well, we've reached an hour. Um, thank you. Uh, we'll get. I keep teasing the Canaries, but hey, we're still a month out of the season. Um, exciting things are happening. We'll get to that later, some other time. Thank you for your time. And um, yeah, we uh, we wasted a little time on on drinking at the beginning, but that's fine with me. I'm always fine with wasting time on drinking. So see you later. Bye, John. The one and only Matt Zimmer. Did you hear that, everybody? He's he he was out of the house and dined out this past week. We might be inching closer to nobody's listening anyway to be doing its recordings where it should at the Gateway Lounge. A couple of guys at the bar talking sports, having drinks. Uh, you should head on down to the Gateway Lounge. For all kinds of reasons, the same reasons why I always tell you they have pretty damn good pizza for a place that doesn't just serve pizza. Their chicken wings are far meatier and the sauces zestier than almost any place you'll find in town. We got a lot of good wing places in town. Full menu, friendly staff, locally owned, third generation. To me, the best sports bar set up in town because it's like a nice kind of little dark I like it dark in there for sports viewing uh, type movie theater type of thing where you can see a uh, bunch of TVs at once. Great for NFL viewing. Great for any viewing. And uh, they also are helping out a, a local cause for kids. The uh, Chase the Ace of Diamonds fundraiser for the Sioux Falls Cyclones. Of course, that's uh, it's a, a youth baseball outfit. So, of course, you know what a Chase the Ace is. You draw a ticket. You pay for a ticket, a raffle ticket. You pay for as many as you want, really. You got to put them in the pot. And uh, each week, they'll draw a winner for that pot. And, uh, and then if you get an ace, you win the pot. An ace of diamonds in this case. And I don't have these specifics right in front of me, but in a lot of these cases, some of the pot money, usually half, will go to uh, a charity. And in this case... Whatever, whatever percentage it is, you are giving. Your raffle ticket purchases are giving to, uh, to a youth baseball team in town, the Sioux Falls Cyclones. So if you, only, you need one reason to go to Gateway Lounge and have your next meal out there safely, 
that would be it beyond their awesome food. Always got good drink specials. Always have $7 lunches and are a very funny and fun follow on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Jackson and the crew, Gateway Lounge. We will hopefully be doing our show there again soon. For Matt Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins. Talk to you next week on Nobody's Listening Anyway. But apparently people are, because you just did. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need another round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.